0: This is Hillary Crowley and welcome to the Good Energy Healing Show. It is great to be checking in on this beautiful day, blue sky, and excited to talk about a topic. Um, okay, um, here's a question. Um, do you do you have a map? Do you have a map? Um, do you have a map on you? Uh, is there a map here? I used to ask that question all the time 20 years ago. Very normal question. You could ha- you could ask it in a store. You could ask it on the corner in New York City. You could ask it on a trail. Um, definitely uh, in a car driving because you're going to need a map 20 years ago. And now it's the most ridiculous question in the world. Do you have a map? Um, I actually have a map in my car. I bought it at Stables office supply store they have this nice little area where they sell all the maps and I just like I was like I can get a map and I can keep it in my car I keep it right behind my seat and I never ever need to use it but it's nice to have and the other day I was hiking a trail with my cousin and my son and I'm very familiar with the trails my son is more familiar with the trails we had already passed um Some big rocks, uh, one huge rock that was quite energetically powerful, I might say, this being the Good Energy Healing Show, just like pause to honor this massive, massive rock in the middle of the woods. Um, And I knew where I was. I didn't need a map. But then I got on a trail, and I started to think about wanting to head back to where we parked the car. And I wasn't really sure which way we were going. There were a lot of forks in the road, the, the trail path, and we just guessed our way. And suddenly in the middle of everything was a like a little podium, wooden podium, and carved into it was a map, like set up by whoever owned the forest, I guess the town. And I was like, yay, I found a map. And I looked at it I looked at it and I looked at it again. I'm like, this is great. It's a map of a lot of trails, but I don't know where I am. And then my son said, well, that's because you have to go to this button, this part, this little dot here that says you are here, not a button. I just want to be really clear. There's no technology connected to this map. So there's this little dot that said you are here. And I was like, wow, this map is absolutely meaningless. If I didn't know where I was. So thank you to the people who put the map there and were, were, kind enough to say you are here. Um, Come to think about it, I think maps really exist in malls, you do see a map in a mall. And it always includes you are here. So today's podcast is about um, where you are, where you are, you are here. And the here is the human energy field, the body. And for, well, I don't know, I can't go back to the beginning of history. But I would Guess that we were probably always kind of curious about what this is this body that we're in and what are we feeling and um, how does it connect with how we're physically feeling and how we're emotionally feeling and How good we feel about our day our attitude How we feel about the people around us and eventually I think we kind of found a word for it was like How's your energy today? How are you feeling today? feeling energy and One of the ways that we uh, map uh, energy is through um, something called the chakra system, which many people are aware of, but I don't want to make any assumptions that people know what chakra is. It's not an English word. It was never on a spelling bee when I was growing up. So the chakras are considered the wheels that emit from seven different centers in our body, from the base of our spine up to the top of our head, kind of just cut it into seven as if there's like a ribbon rainbow around you and it's red at the bottom, orange in the pelvic bowl, yellow in the cellular plexus, green in the heart chest area, blue. These are blue wheels. Just imagine. So this is a red wheel, an orange wheel, a yellow wheel, a green wheel, a blue wheel, wheel in the, um, throat and mouth area that includes the um, lower part of the face. And then the upper part is between the uh, eyes and the um, fore. and right there on the forehead would be a purple wheel of light. If you want to think about it as color, if you want to think about it as light, but you can just also just think of it as energy. I think we're pretty abstract thinkers now, so we can handle that just like swirling energy. And then at the top of the head is that clear uh, or white, um uh, light, people have different translations of white light as they should because white light is the combination of all colors. Um, I remember taking a theater class uh, where we had to study the different um, fabrics because if you do lighting on a fabric, um, depending what color light hits the fabric, you'll actually bring out a different color. And what was really surprising to me is that I could be wearing a black sweater on any given day, but based on which black sweater I was wearing, it was, it would bring out the red in it. It would bring out the, 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 like the blue in it or like a a brownish color. And my lighting designer who is great by the way at Boston university explained that, um, that, that there's no true black and that it's always just a variation of a mix of colors. And that's on the, the physical textile dyes plane. And in the opposite, when you deal with a light field, um, to get to a pure white, you actually mix all the lights together. And I remember um, there was a uh, exhibit at the science center in the city that I grew up in. And you could take the red light, the blue light and the yellow light. And if there were like spotlights and if you overlap those three lights, like a Venn diagram in the middle, you get a clear white. It was really cool. I'm trying to remember if it was white or if it was clear. I don't think I would know because the wall, of course, against it was white. So the idea is that you mix these lights and you get the white. And then I learned that again in a lighting design. So all very beautiful. And um, that's my story so far that I just wanted to say about um, light in the sharper system. Okay, 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 okay. So what I really wanted to talk to you about, About today was the map of the body. And I really wanted to start with where you begin, the you are here part. And the you are here is where you begin, is called the first chakra. And that's at the base of the spine, and it's the color red. And when I work with the first chakra, I consider it to be base of the spine, but all the way down um, the legs to the feet. So it's this connection. Uh, To the ground, it's the connection to the base of the spine and uh, It's also has to do with our connection of like basic survival. So that's um, Chakra one. Do you feel safe in the world? That's kind of the theme of it. And that's our basic survival. So a great example of um, When you feel like your first chakra is activated Would be when you're all together and everybody with your in your in your around you in your tribe because this would be um, how we how we respond like that tribal energy that deep red tribal energy um, when everybody knows the same song and it might be a song that um, only your group knows so it might be only your you know s- stories uh, like the story of your your school you went to. Or that you're in the same um, play together, and so you're all you all know that song really well. Um, just anything that identifies you with tribe. I don't know why I'm bringing up song. Like a national anthem is a song, so maybe there's something to be said about singing, because when we sing, we blend ourselves all into that that one blended. Bit, that must be why the music is coming up for me and the singing is coming up for me because then very first chakra to be in a chorus of music, whether or not you can sing or not is another story. I mean, like musical theater people go crazy knowing all the lyrics to, you know, your favorite musical. But, um, but for the rest of us, it's just that feeling that I feel safe to sing along, even if I'm not great. Um, it's just that I belong. Uh, about a year ago, I posted on Twitter and came out of a session, I was working on somebody who had reason to feel like the tribe wasn't safe for them. Uh, lots of reasons why you would feel like tribe isn't safe would be basic attachment to your parents, uh, where they were distracted by uh, illness or addiction, um, or their own um, tribal breaks when they were little, um, so that they never were able to make you feel safe in the tribe um major insults to your development in the form of abuse of all kinds. And the client I was working with um, was asking for energetic clearing for that. And the issue uh, had to do with some immunity. So, I didn't know. I I always get the issue first. And then my job is to unpack it and translate it into the energy field, not the other way around. I don't see like an energy issue and then say, oh, that's a diagnosis. I actually don't do that. It doesn't work for me. It's not my thing. Um, Diagnosis is for people who are diagnosticians. And I'm more than happy to help them. So uh, I believe I was helping uh, a diagnostician in the form of a PCP. Um, might have been a surgeon. Surgeons send people to me before they get ready for surgery. And you want to make sure your, your immune system is excellent before surgery. So the takeaway from that particular session, and I put it in the notes, was that a feeling of belonging, a true feeling of belonging and safety is excellent for your immune system. Feeling that you belong to something bigger than yourself, but not just the, we can talk about that later in the big, the other number uh, chakras, like when we get up to the seventh chakra, we can talk about that big belonging to great spirit, to earth energy, to the universe, to God, to whatever your beliefs are in something bigger than you. Sure, we'll get there. It'll be another podcast, but I promise we'll get there. This is like belonging to a tribe, like literally having somebody who sees you, knows you, hears you, Invite you to sit by the fire, right? So um, there's the first chakra energy and it's the belonging helps your immune system. Why would that be? Why would that sense of belonging help your immune system? Well, the first chakra is what grounds us. It was, It's what lets us know that we're safe. And I know that when we're safe, our immune system can work beautifully with our central nervous system and we can know that we're in rest digest and repair which means you can sit down with people and eat and you can um, set up shelter and sleep and you can be in a healing state you're not in a state of despair you're in this state of repair um, which is how the 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 nervous system and the cells are all constantly repairing and flowing. And that's who we are. We're, we're these, we're, we're, we're this moving being uh, that uh, when all is well, whatever breaks down repairs. In fact, in my apoptosis show, things need to break down, wash away and then rejuvenate. So rejuvenate, rep- let's add rejuvenate, repair, rest, digest. Okay. So if you don't feel safe, then your immune system will say, I'm just going to work in the short term. You're kind of like cramming the morning of the exam, which by the way, I've done and I've done pretty well, you know, like on the morning of the exam. But, but, uh, but pretty well didn't mean I learned that well. Pretty well didn't mean that I was calm and I certainly didn't enjoy the, the experience. Um, so what we want to do is be in that more calm, rest and repair state, and we want to have a sense that we have belonged to the tribe for a long time. So if you feel like for any reason that you're isolated or removed from your tribe, these efforts that we make to step back in and to repair each other is quite beautiful. I, I saw a uh, quote today that said, uh, fear was knocking on the door but love answered and fear wasn't there. So fear was knocking on the door, love answered, and then fear disappeared. It wasn't there. So what was there? I thought at the end of that quote, it was like, Oh, because fear turned into love. Um, I think so many times that when we face uh, what we're fearing, and I'm thinking this in terms of tribes, I'm being really specific. Like if there's somebody who, scares you or, um, a confrontation you don't want to have. I've done the confrontations in my life. I don't think they're that effective or helpful, but when you're ready, um, reaching out to somebody and saying that you're sorry, just to use the word repair again, there's a wonderful expression that I learned through, um, just children's services, um, helping, Children with abuse and helping families um, recover from uh, recover with children who've been neglected or abused. And I love the expression. It's called air and repair. And so when you're ready to air and repair, whatever you believe air can be. um, I feel like it's a type of redemption um, to say we might not agree, but I care about you. And I know that my connection with you is more important than what we disagree on. Um, I think that's a quote from Gandhi. My next door neighbor put it in the front yard today, too. I I can't I'm not leaving this podcast to go check that. But it's a um, it's a quote that says, even if we have different opinions, um, that doesn't mean that we can't still connect in our hearts. So. Um, And I would say, even if we have different opinions, it doesn't mean we can't just connect because the heart is the fourth chakra, which is also another podcast. But the heart of the whole body is the nervous, is the um, circulation system, which also runs through the body. Um, The you are here for the fourth chakra is the heart. So the you are here, here is the grounding part of our body, our our hips down, um, who we are how we stand in this world, how we sit in this world, Um, the seat of of our soul in many ways, and also the seat of our being. And so I love the idea of looking at the first chakra, and I was thinking about beautiful moments. I was teaching a chakra class years ago. It was the year, well, it hadn't happened yet, but it was... Um, being in the Boston area and anywhere in the United States, we had a bombing at the Boston marathon and the bombing was awful. And the city came together. Uh, we have incredible trauma centers in Boston. Uh, some of my friends were, were there, um, to see it happen. Um, and, um, One of my listeners actually was in the ER for her own reasons when she saw that um, she wasn't aware that the bombing had happened, but she saw the wounded coming in and she said that it was a war zone and that everybody was all hands on deck. And that was fantastic to see Um, everybody who wasn't um, at the attack itself, everybody who was weren't. Anybody who was not killed at the, in the initial explosion survived that day. And that has a lot to do with the amazing um, uh, resources we have with the medical centers in the Boston area. Even talking about that, kind of like it's my first chakra. like I get that warm flow through me and that sense of belonging, even amidst a very scary and sad tragedy. Uh, that also rocks me to the core in a different part of my body, but that pride I feel, uh, for my state of Massachusetts, for my city where I went to school, um, for the city I lived in, um, I was just proud that day and also sad that day. And then a couple days later, um, we had a, uh, the, the town of Watertown, they had identified that the um, bombers were hiding out in water. One had died at this point, but one was hiding out in Watertown. And so they were doing a manhunt, and everybody was to stay in their house. And I remember thinking, wow, this is such an incredible moment of the first chakra, because everybody wanted justice, that this there was a child killed at the Boston Marathon, and several other people and another person I would consider a child college student um, killed at the Boston Marathon. So everyone wanted to come together for the tribe and make sure that a dangerous person could never, ever do this again. And then there was also the aspect where um, our the first chakra was shut down because they said your need to act, you need to actually just stay, stay still and let's wait for, the officers to find the bomber. And so everyone had to just stay in their house. So I was, um, I was watching this um, from a safe distance because I was not in Watertown. I called some of the people I know who were in Watertown. They said they were fine. They were watching TV, paying attention to it, but they felt like it wasn't going on exactly in their neighborhood. It's so funny how uh, the closer you get to the epicenter of a, of a, of a drama, uh, you measure the feet, you know, you're like, Oh no, I'm six blocks away from this international manhunt, you know, that's playing on the news right now. I feel very safe. Cause I'm, that's over on, you know, Wesley street, you know, <laughs> that's, that's nowhere near my street. I'm on, you know, I don't know. I'm on, I'm on uh, Lance Avenue. I'm like, Oh, okay. You're okay. So that was beautiful too because then you become very aware of your tribe and you know the different aspects of the tribe all right so i had to go back that next day and teach a chakra class and i had just taught the introduction class and then i was like hey everybody i'm gonna teach reiki one today i mean sorry not reiki one but the um chakra one and um I teach a lot of Reiki one, by the way, which I am handing over to my students when my book gets published. But uh, that's why I slipped with the Reiki. Did I mention that this podcast is a one take, no edit, not scripted, very prepared. So once in a while, I'm going to slip up on my words that I use all the time. So I was going to teach the um, chakra one that day, the first chakra. And I said, I have the most amazing living experience right now of the chakra. We can feel this coming together because we had all experienced the oneness of the tragedy of the mourning and grieving together, of the desire for justice together. And I said, so chakra, the first chakra is that I don't even need to give it a color. I don't need to tell you where it is in the body. You can feel it. And everybody said, yep, I can feel it in my feet. It's in the base of my body. It's what holds me here. And it's the first chakra. And then I said, and the shadow of the first chakra would be like the collective fear, which is now we all have to kill this man together. Now we all have to um, feel afraid in our homes together. Now we all have to go after this together or we're going to be or the shadow is also we're going to be split apart cuz we're all sent into our homes and people are on the streets with guns, you know, in the form of officers and um and, and looking and looking for one particular person. So a healthy first chakra has that deep faith and it says I am connected no matter what. Nobody can dictate how I connect to everybody. And I saw many examples of people praying for the person who had done the bombing. There you get into the ultimate first chakra, which is to understand the connection to every part of us, every part of our humanity, and to know that his humanity did so much harm and will suffer so much now that all you can do for them is pray. He was found, uh, young man, college student, uh, there was a trail of blood that led to, uh, he'd ripped open a, uh, a cover to a boat, like a, like a, a re- acrylic and he was hiding out in there. So he came and he, he came out and he was, uh, he was obviously arrested. And, um, that's the end of that story so far that I want to get into. Uh, but I feel like that's an important story to talk about where everybody was on the go and in a very specific way going after uh, justice. And the first chakra can swing that way, every chakra can, um, as we understand how to drop into the balance of the first chakra, um, we can understand you are here when you can feel that beautiful sense of like, I'm doing my part to be part of the tribe. I'm doing my part to help the tribe. I'm doing my part to be part of the love. I've broken down all the chakras. um, And the first chakra I break into a very simple concept, which is I am loved. If anyone has ever felt that you are not loved, by somebody near or far, I am loved. You have work to do on your first chakra. You might have some airing and repairing to do and understand your secure attachment to your tribe. You might have to get curious about what secure attachment is. All of these things, this is your journey. This is your beautiful journey. And the journey is the gift. So if you're not there, if you're lost in the woods, And you don't have a you are here sign. That's okay. Because you're going to find it. You're going to find somebody who's going to say. Hey I'm looking for a tribe too. Or I'm looking for you to join our tribe. It's not hard to find somebody. Who knows the the same lyrics. To the same song that you love. But you do have to seek out. And that desire to seek out. Is first chakra energy. First chakra energy. Uh, It was. um, July of 20. 18. um, I saw one of the most beautiful moments of the mapping of the human spirit. It was in so less than two years ago. um, We had the incident in Thailand, where um, 13 boys all around the age 13 actually went into a cave. They all belonged to the same tribe. It was a soccer team. They all got there on their bikes and they, they were all in their, their, one of their favorite places, which was a cave, um, which seems terrifying to me to go into a cave. But for them, that was their, that was an area they were familiar with. It was like a playground and I can only imagine a very, very cool adventure that they had taken themselves on. And I believe they were guided with a coach. So they were on a expedition um, into a cave and they all went in together. The coach was 25 years old and the average age of the child, I think, was about 13. So in they went. And I'm sorry if I'm redundant and everybody knows this story, but I found that I can't assume that everybody knows even the most famous stories in the world in my heart because we're busy people and we're all different doing different things in July of 2018. Uh, But a a flood hit and the cave became permanently flooded so that the kids could not get up and they had to reach onto high water that they said was the size of about a tennis court, a half of a tennis court. So 13 kids, you know, on a rock, about the size of the half of a tennis court. So they had space to sit. They weren't going to fall over into the water. Uh, maybe they even had space to, to uh, sleep. But that was it. So um, what happened is that families reported them missing, and there was a search party they went out. And then the search party uh, found all the bicycles, chained up responsibly, and the shoes taken off, the, the, the soccer shoes taken off, and they had gone into the cave for a hike. huh? So that's just bad news. That is just bad news. But the uh, Thai Navy SEALs uh, were called in to go a search and rescue. A search and rescue. And um, they soon found out that they couldn't search and rescue on their own, even though they're highly, highly qualified. Guess what they needed? They needed a map. And there was a cartographer of that particular cave who was from another country, Britain, who um, was familiar with the cave. And he did have a map and he lived nearby. And I get the sense he lived nearby because that cave was so famous and so fantastic. And so there you go, the tribe just grew. And so Thailand Navy SEALs, which I I would imagine is an extremely elite group knew to reach out and build their tribe with a, you know, ad- adventurer expedition specialist, um, from Britain who also lived in their area. And then his job was to say, I'm good, but I'm not that good. We need to get more experts in. And he knew to get more experts in, and then, um, they were the cave divers, the best in the world. And so now you can feel the first chakra, even as I tell you this story. It didn't matter what they were doing. It didn't matter what they had planned. They heard that there are 13 boys in Thailand that could be alive after, I think it was six days, that there is a possibility they could be alive, but it was miles into that cave. They had to find them in water. I mean, it's a gruesome piece of, of um, information, and you can only imagine that these children are dead. But they said, "Let's go." They said, "Let's do it." And so there they were, sacrificing everything, sleep, uh, well-being. I'm sure many of us would say, "Mm, "It's risky, iffy." Uh, I, I, you know, a cynical mind would say, "What's the point?" Get the sense that didn't even cross their mind. They said, "The point is, we're going to try." And so there they are, arriving. And the world is alerted, and they're going to find these boys. And um, they have the map from the British cartographer. I believe the other uh, cave divers came in from uh, – one came in from Australia. They're all in touch with each other, which just makes it such a beautiful world we live in where people can be in touch. If you have an expertise, you can share your expertise, no matter what your language or location – And they all uh, arrived, and they found the boys. They got there, and they were able to chart the the map for the Navy SEALs. And after they found the boys, they just reassured them, and then they said the Navy SEALs are going to come and take care of you. And then the Navy SEALs showed up, and four of them waited with the boys. All the while, and this is where the energy really hits home, that 25-year-old coach whose life was very much in danger and who stood as the leader to these 13 boys, and I don't know if it would be 12 boys plus the coach, but let's say it's called the lucky 13, he was able to keep them in this thing that we're not sure about. We're not sure if it matters. We're not sure if it keeps you alive. We don't, we're not sure if it helps your health. It's called meditation. And he told those boys to meditate. And for seven days, they stayed alive, meditating in a pitch dark cave, scared alone with no food, no water, except for that, which is, you know, they can't drink. And there they are just trying to stay alive. And this coach had the wherewithal to say, meditate. I don't know if we'll ever know how they meditated or what they meditated on. But if you know, let me know. So then the Navy SEALs got there. And they had supplies. And they had their own bravery. And they stayed with those boys. And they stayed for three or four more days. As the world came together, every single country chimed in. Uh, There is a whiteboard I will put on my website. And it lists off all the different, um, countries that were involved. And, um, you had China, you had the United States, you had Finland, you had Australia. I don't want to keep listing cause I'm going to leave them out. <laughs> um, but everybody, and I don't mean just well-wishers cause we had well-wishers. We had prayers. I was praying for them. I was actually doing some journey work just to send my version of good energy and, a power animal showed up during that time. And keep in mind, I have two, at the time, I had two 13-year-old boys myself. So this was not a story for me to miss. This hit me deeply. Um, And I could feel compassion beyond words for the mothers waiting outside the cave, just in vigil, just in vigil, just hoping that one of them comes out. So, there you have it. Um, they're um, they're 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 in the cave. The Navy SEALs are waiting for them, and there's still more to do. And there's a team gathering, and the team has to come together. The team has already come together in the name of hope, in the name of expertise. In the name of Pride, I'd call it the ultimate first chakra pride. Like, we all know the chorus to this song, and this song is called Rescue. So, some of the best cave rescuer, cave divers, cartographers, thinkers got together and said, Let's work together. Let's see if we can do this. An incredible story. There was a picture of the whiteboard. I mean, it was scribble, it was in English. So I would imagine, I don't know who, I, I don't know who wrote it because in Thailand, they, they speak English. Uh, they can speak English because unlike me, most people in this world are at least bilingual. Um, and um, they wanted to communicate in English to the people who, who could also speak English. So this whiteboard, which I was surprised didn't become the most important whiteboard ever to land on this planet. Um, I'm going to tell you what the whiteboard said. The whiteboard said at the very top. So this would be the name of the meeting. (laughs) um, We are here for the same purpose. Gigantic whiteboard, something you would see like in a, in a corporate meeting room, you know, where you do like profit and loss or, you know, org chart. Nope. This is the whiteboard that starts and it says we are here for the same purpose. And then they list off. One. Respect. That's it. The very first thing they have to say. Respect. No other word next to it. Just respect. The second. And this goes to being bilingual. Or what language are we speaking? Or what are our accents and so forth? The second was. For some reason this really moves me. Speak. Speak human language speak human language the third request on the whiteboard the whiteboard titled we are here for the same purpose said communicate clear concise direct into the point just communicate clear concise direct into the point point." and they knew what the point was we're going to get these kids out The next one, I don't know what this has to do with a a cave rescue, but apparently it has everything to do with a cave rescue. Respect diversity. I'm imagining that means respect diversity of thought, respect diversity of feeling, respect diversity of plan. Just respect the diversity. And then the next one was no discrimination. Absolutely no discrimination. Discrimination means I'm better than you or you're better than me. Going back to, we are all here for the same purpose. Respect, speak human language, communicate, clear, concise, direct to the point. Respect diversity. The next was no discrimination. And ready? No idea is stupid. No idea is stupid. And then at the final, underneath all of it, they said, we are only one team. And as I read that, I, sometimes I read it as we are only one team. And sometimes I read it as we are only one team. We are only one team. That, my friends, was the guidelines. That got, that was the guideline. That whiteboard was the guideline that got everybody out of that cave safely. 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 There was a Navy SEAL who was lost in the process. He was underwater getting the oxygen tanks set up at the checkpoints so that everyone could safely pass. So he was basically laying out the path. And in the process of switching tanks, he lost his own oxygen supply and he passed out. So Thailand lost a brave soldier who volunteered to help. He had come in and said, I want to be part of this. And he died at 38 years old. And all of those boys got out safely. There were medical doctors involved. There was an est- anesthetician who had to get to the kids to get them ready to put them in sort of a twilight sleep. I know you guys know that term better than I do. Um, may, may know the term so that they would not panic. They could be completely relaxed as they were brought, um, underwater. They did not know how to swim. They knew how to hike into a cave. They knew how to play soccer. They knew how to ride a bike, but swimming, uh, wasn't something that they could do. And that could have been for the best because it made their decision easier. They weren't going to swim the kids out. They were going to actually bring them out on stretchers and they decided, uh, And it must have been a very creative moment when somebody says, let's anesthetize these these teenage boys and let's get them out this way. So they all got out. And uh, I actually remember uh, calling my kids at camp, speaking to the camp counselor and saying, tell the boys that they're out, they got out safely. Um, It was just a moment for me in history that um, I would never forget. And I don't forget to this day. It's also the ultimate Teaching story of the power of the first chakra, the power of the tribe, the tribe that is there waiting for you with respect, speaking the human language, communicating clearly, concisely, and directly, respecting each other's diversity. Even if you disagree with that tribe member across the table, you end up loving them for something. Even if it's at the very last breath of your life, you say, I see it all the time. They say, huh, they made me, they made me who I am. That's my tribe. Um, and no idea is a stupid idea. That's the true healthy tribe. So, Chakra energy. There's so much going on when we do um, our energetic practices. There's a lot of, I got to take care of myself. I've got to take care of myself. Like, what do I need to do for myself? One of the best things you can do for yourself is reach out and see what you can do for somebody else. That is an adage well known in all sorts of uh, folklore and in legends, (laughs) you know, big and small, but it has everything to do with your immune system too. So, Um, a healthy first chakra uh, means that you're actively involved in your sense of belonging and your sense of belonging has everything to do with how you understand yourself in the tribe. Uh, I want you to think about that going forward. Um, We will have um, a list of the chakras going from the first to the seventh chakra and the first chakra is knowing without question. When, it, when you are in your first chakra energy, you feel loved. And the energy of it is I am loved. The second chakra will be I love my being. The third chakra will be I love my soul. The fourth chakra, which is the heart energy, is I love. The fifth chakra is I share love, which is the throat the ears, the mouth, the talking, the listening, I share love. The sixth chakra, which is um, considered the third eye, don't get your numbers mixed up, but the third eye is the forehead, that sacred area where we enter into the mind-body connection. I like to tell my clients that it's about seeing what truly matters, is I embody love. And the seventh chakra, not to be confused with the first chakra, is I am love love. I am love. So I am loved all the way up to I am love. We're going to have some fun, folks. Um, So you are here. We started right here at the map of healing. And um, thank you for joining me today. I loved uh, talking about this. It filled me up to talk about it, um, understanding how this beautiful, beautiful energy map can carry you through absolutely anything. And if you ever feel lost or isolated, um, think about those 13 boys and their coach. And uh, why don't you just decide what they must have meditated on? Make it up. Ask what. Ask your body what you want to meditate on. If you're feeling like you're lost and alone in a cave, whether you're going through a physical um concern, uh, illness or, or, um, mental health or spiritual. Um, we can find our way back, but we need to find the map. We need to sometimes wait for help. Sometimes we need to be patient. Sometimes we need to turn to our coach and say, what do I do now? And sometimes you just trust and you let people carry you out. This is Hillary Crowley. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. This is the Good Energy Healing Show. Uh, please subscribe and like. I think a lot of people are listening to my to this to the show. I I saw that I was ranked nine, ninth, ninth um, on Player FM. Um, I'm ranked ninth as uh, the one of the top healing shows. But if you don't subscribe and you don't give me stars, um, nobody on iTunes will know. You know, so please. Um, I know I get right into it and I don't do a lot with promotion, but if you have some time, uh, please take a moment, hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the five star or four. I'd like five. Um, And um, you have a beautiful day and I'll be back to uh, take you through the rest of the map.